Welcome to LifeWorks, where we talk about life and work and making it work. I'm Hannah Greenstein, a from mompreneur on a mission just like yours, to live the mompreneur life that brings me feelings of balance and inner peace and joy. Here, I hold space for you in the many roles you play as a from mommy business owner. Join me for support, mindset, techniques, and tools around productivity, focus, and work-life balance so you can feel in balance and at peace. If you can find excitement and joy at work and at home, you will thrive in the roles you play and feel fulfilled by your life's work. And that's what I want for you. So let's get started. My amazing guest today, Sarah Kornblit, is a mom, therapist in her private practice, and founder of The Thriving Working Mom. Sarah helps busy working moms feel proud of their parenting, satisfied at work, and engaged in their personal wellness. As a working mom of four kids, Sarah knows firsthand how many pressures and challenges working moms face every single day. As a social worker for almost 10 years, she has personally had the privilege to guide many clients through challenges and witness life transformations. Her primary focus is on teaching practical parenting, stress management, and mindset adjustment. Ultimately, Sarah aims to be a role model for what her students are capable of. Sarah is known for her down-to-earth approach, natural teaching style, and authentic sharing of personal struggles. Through teaching a combination of principles based on her professional training and experience, along with insights gained along her own journey, Sarah helps her students feel hopeful, validated, and a greater sense of clarity. Sarah has a private practice where she provides virtual and in-person therapy or coaching sessions. Through her practice, she has started a branch called The Thriving Working Mom and is excited to use that as a channel to motivate and support working moms everywhere. So as you could hear, Sarah and I stand for the same mission, share so many beliefs, and I really encourage you to tune in and really pay attention to this episode because the amount of value she managed to pack in and share that is so insightful and can really help you shift your mindset and your intention in a way that can change things for you in a very real way is incredible. I'm excited for you to listen. Let's dive right in. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to the show. I am so, so thrilled to have you on. And I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for joining me. So before we dive into the really good stuff, can you just tell us your journey in just a couple of minutes, how you got to where you are today? I found out I was pregnant with my first child on my first day of social work school. And so, so clear journey as a mom and my journey as a professional, as a social worker have just been so intricately tied together. And the first few years, um, the first six years, actually, after I graduated, I worked nine to five kind of job. I worked in a dialysis clinic for four years, and then I worked in a children's hospital for two years before shifting into for a university in a social work school and having a private practice. So that's kind of my journey. And then in the last few months, I started a branch of my practice called the Thriving Working Mom, where my whole goal is to support working moms and show them that there's a way to juggle it all while feeling peaceful and joyful um, yes. and present. Yes. There there is a way. It takes work, but but it's worth it to get there. I'm curious, was the thriving working mom born 
out of, wasn't it outgrowth of your practice in terms of you were seeing a lot of moms who were so overwhelmed by juggling it all, or is it more an outgrowth of your personal experience as a working mom? That's such an amazing question. And I would say it's definitely a combination. Also, when I worked at the children's hospital, there are child life specialists in children's hospitals that work, who work with the kids. And so my I was really working with supporting the parents. And so I had a lot of in-depth experience working with moms who were working moms and had a kid in the hospital, like really intense kind of juggling. And so it's definitely that experience, my private practice experience, just my interactions with so many amazing people I've met over, you know, on social media and definitely, definitely my own experiences and my yeah. own journey. Okay. So I'm sure that being a working mom, you weren't bored. What pushed you to launch the Thriving Working Mom? What was it that gave you that motivation to add something else to your plate? <laughs> well, I get so much joy out of, from my job. I love being a social worker. I love supporting people. I love being able to share something that can make an impact. And so I don't even sit as like, like something new on my plate as much as like something just exciting that's giving me. Yeah, it was really just desire to share and like to take one on one conversations I was having with moms, what an impact it made and thinking like, how can I scale this? How can I help way more yeah, people. Yeah, I relate to this you know? so much. I mean, everything I'm doing with this podcast, someone asked me like, so why are you doing this again? I was like, to fill me up <laughs> and and because I have what to share. Yes, I really, I really relate to that. What do you feel working moms are missing? Like what need do you really want to fill that they're lacking? That's a great question. Um, so to take back from the need, I this is what I observed. So this is kind of like this symptom that I've seen, which is working moms everywhere feeling constantly like they're not doing enough or they're not measuring up or that like they're secretly failing and like everyone else is handling the juggling act better than they are. And so like over and over again, when you hear everyone feeling like they're having this unique experience and I've experienced it too, it's like, wait a minute. There are a lot of people out there who feel this way, right? And so then it was really about digging back and figuring out what's going on here? Why, why are we holding ourselves to like this standard that doesn't exist and therefore never feeling good about ourselves, right. right? And it sounds like there was also that piece of you kept hearing so many individuals were feeling alone in this and you know that they're not alone because you're hearing it from so many people to sort of make that public, bring them all together. Absolutely. And, and I think that that isolation or that feeling like there's something specifically wrong with us is it it's like it goes beyond stress it's more it then turns into a game of unworthiness that like that trickles into every part of our self-image so it's really like it, it affects us and i i know when i had my son for a long time i worked with him at home and it wasn't working and i couldn't admit that it wasn't working and i was literally working every single one of my waking minutes because to get four hours of work done took 10 hours because it was from the computer to the baby, from the computer to the baby, from the computer to the baby. And I could never sit down and focus. And it took a long time for me to be able to say, my baby needs to be sent to a babysitter because I felt shame in admitting that I sent out my baby and he was so young and he should be home with me. 
But you know what? I was a much better mother to him when he was going out. And when he came home, I was able to be 100% fully present with him and nurture and bond and hang out as opposed to spending 24 hours with him when all 24 of them had half a brain on my computer. Absolutely. I totally, I totally relate to that. I remember that when I was in my second year of social work school and I had a newborn that year, I, I didn't have classes or field placement on Fridays. And so at first I felt like I need my baby home on Fridays. The problem is it was my only day I had to like work on, do my work. And like that decision to send him to daycare on Fridays when I was home so I could just get work, that was a pivotal like realization of I need to be able to be successful in what I'm doing in order to then give my best self to my kid. And like, it's really a boundary thing, right? Like it's instead of what you're calling that half brain where you're just halfway in both, it's how do I set clear limits? And that way when I'm working, I'm working. Absolutely. And when I'm with my kids, I am with my kids. Yeah. I always say work-life balance has to start with work-life split. Like as long as you're trying to juggle them at the same time, it's not going to work ever. You could only start talking about work-life balance when you can be 100% present at work and be 100% present at home. And that's what the balance is when you could give your all to both. And you can't do that if you're holding them both at the same time. Exactly. And that's why one of the foundational principles that I'm trying to share with the thriving working share in my practice and that I, it's so important and I live my life this way is mindfulness because that is mindfulness, right? Whatever minute you're in, that is what's real and that's what's happening and that's what you focus on, right? Right now, you and I are having this talk and I'm enjoying it so much and I'm not thinking about I mean, now I am because I'm giving an example that like in two hours, the house is going to be pulled and, you know, like I'm not thinking about that. That's going to happen when it happens. And I'm not either thinking about, well, now I am (laughs) emails that I haven't responded to. Like, but the the idea is (laughs) center and refocus, but any space that you're at, just be in that moment. And it just makes it so much more peaceful and also just so much more enjoyable for sure. So, so how do we do that? Because it can be really, really tough. I think uh, maybe this is just my personal experience, but I think it's harder to shut off the work brain when you come home than to shut off the home brain when you're at work. That's my experience. And it sounds so great to like be mindful and be present in the moment and be here. But how do we do that? How does that become a concrete reality? That's an amazing question. And I'm super into that because like abstract concepts without like practical application. I think that we have to look at what standard we're holding ourselves to when it comes to spending time with our kids, because a lot of working moms, and I mean, I'm actually coming out with a course called tackling working mom guilt, because that's really where we start basically thinking of this ideal mom with kids. And to tell you what the ideal mom we think of, a preschool teacher. She's just sitting there doing projects from Pinterest all day and just like, whoa, like amazing. Just And there's that perfect mom that that's just not realistic. That's not who we're going to be when we get home from work. And so part of an inability to really get into our kids is sometimes we feel like inadequate in some way in the way we're interacting, or maybe we're not focusing enough on them. And, and often 
And I, I had a fantastic conversation with someone in one of like the discovery calls I was doing when I was, you know, putting together content for my course. And she said, so many women feel a very strong sense of competence at work, very clear goals, check it off, got it done. Wow, you did the project, well done. And with parenting, it's a lot less concrete. There's not even like a success today, could like mess up tomorrow. Like it's very different. And so sometimes like it could be our comfort zone to keep that work brain on because that's that's where we feel successful and competent. I love that. This is such an insightful aim. Isn't it brilliant? I, I I have to look up her name. It's in my email, but she was amazing. So I I I think that sometimes mindset shifts are important with being able to shift out of the work brain where we're competent and into interacting with our kids where we may feel more doubtful about if we're good at it or not, right? Yeah, I love this. I also think something that I've been thinking about recently <laughs> is how work can be so exciting, like building a business and signing the contracts. And then you come home and how do you get excited about block towers and chocolate chip cookies? And I was thinking another mindset shift is like when you sit down at your desk and you're sending those invoices and you're answering emails, like it's exciting to be building a business. And when we come home and just see the block towers as block towers, like it's not exciting. And we are too successful for that. But when you look at it as I am building my child, like I am nurturing a human life by sitting on the floor with a block tower. It's like, oh, you know, maybe I could stoop down to the floor and, and build this block tower. And it's something I was thinking about a lot. We just don't glorify the role as mom enough in a real way. You know, like all the memes are out there, but do we feel like filling that role as mom is really a great, great accomplishment? That's such a great, such great points over there. And I think that we have to be able to let go of some, you know, different elements of that kind of how we view our role as as a mom or how or if we see mom like sitting on the floor as almost this outdated pre-feminist version of a woman, right? And how to kind of be that successful businesswoman and also be able to just get your hands dirty playing with your kids. Yeah. And I know that for me, it took years to get to a space where I really had the emotional energy to spend prolonged time with my kids. I remember coming home from work and I had a very limited amount of patience to be around them. I was just, it was like, I don't know, at some point crying, screaming, and I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm going to my room. I couldn't, I literally, I feel like, I don't know, I didn't have the bandwidth for it. I really, it was very stressful for me to be around them. And like, that's after a long day of like laughing with my colleagues and supporting my patients, right? And like, I got home and I'm like, no, that's not happening. We're not, we're not hanging out. <laughs> Part of that is for sure, like the need to like put a space between work and being at home, like just give yourself time to breathe and recalibrate and kind of rele release that tension from the day and be able to enter um, your time with your kids. And that's something that I love it's one of my favorite stress relief techniques, which is in those transition times between work and mothering to just do this breathing and just think the word release and just release the tension of whatever activity we're just in and set an intention for peacefulness and an enjoyable experience you're about to have with your kids. And it really works. It's amazing. But 
as I grew in my own personal journey and my own mindset and, and letting go of this fear that I was incompetent or just like failing and, and also entering more mindfulness, I just feel like I, I, it's crazy because I, I could spend so much time with my kids right now and, and enjoy it, but it's not because like, oh, it's just my type. Oh yeah, I'm the preschool teacher type. I'm not. And I wasn't. And for years I had no tolerance or patience. And it is possible. It's not like a type. You could be a loving mother, could look different, but you could tolerate a different span of time, but at least just be present when you're with your kids. Does that make sense? I know I just said a lot. Yeah. So, so much I want to unpack there. What you're saying is, first of all, something so powerful that you don't have to be the type, like you don't have to be preschool teacher, flowery apron mother to be a nurturing present mother. And even if it hasn't come naturally till now, there are exercises you can do and you put in the effort to make it your reality. You're not born that way and otherwise doomed to fail, which is so empowering. A listener could be thinking like, but I'm not the type. And this is your answer. It's not a type. It's, mm -hmm. it's setting the intention and then doing the work mm -hmm. to make that your reality. Right. Even if it means like starting off in really small doses, like say, okay, I'm going to spend five focused minutes with my kids right now where I'm just like, I leave my phone in the other room and I'm just like going to make sure that I'm really looking at their faces because it's actually shocking how rarely we really look at our kids' faces and like just notice them. Um, and just listen five minutes, just like start small. Don't try to like all of a sudden like shift into something that feels unnatural for you, but we could start small and then build on that success. I love that. I also love that. Again, you talked about mindset shifts because that's where it's at, right? And so much, if you know, if we're holding ourselves to, to unattainable standards, then why would we bother trying? And if we're able to shift out of that mindset of, of so many things, of thinking that you have to be the type, of thinking that it has to be perfect, of thinking that like, you know, especially I think every, probably every from entrepreneur is like a type A overachiever because otherwise, wh why are you doing this? And, and getting out of that space of feeling like you're wasting time, right? Because it's so easy to feel like you're wasting time if you're not doing anything and, and shifting out of feeling like sitting on the floor and listening or coloring or, or playing Play-Doh is doing nothing and really recognizing the value in what you're doing. Like so, so much of it just has to do with how we're thinking about the roles that we play. And also like in regard to building healthy attachment with our kids, it's about the focused time. It's not about the quantity of time. And so working moms who are out all day, and I mean, I know moms who are, let's say nurses, and sometimes they don't even see their kids before they go to sleep on some days. And it's about the quality of the time you spend with your kids. And it doesn't mean that every hour that you're in the same house as your kids, that you need to be with them. That I don't see that as, I mean, I couldn't do that. And I wouldn't, I don't think that's, that's the goal. Yeah. But even if you spend some focused quality time with your kids, it, that investment, that helps them feel secure and feel like you're there for them. What I always like to talk about is that my mom is a doctor and she was in hospital leadership always my whole life. I mean, as long as I can remember. <laughs> and she worked like crazy hours, probably 60 hours a week. Wow. I remember a lot of days I wake up, she wasn't even at the house and she would come home after dinner. And I never felt like she was missing from my childhood. Wow. I never did. 
because when she was there, she was there. And like, I never ha remember having, let's say a problem in school or a problem with a friend that I wasn't able to discuss with her. Wow. And to me, obviously that made such an impact on me growing up with that model. You could see how you can build such a strong connection with your kids, even if you're not with them constantly. That's incredible. Talking about standards, that's like, that's setting a high standard. And that's a demonstration just of like, pulling the working mom card isn't an excuse. Like, it, it can be done. It really, really can be done. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's and something that I touched on, I want to like emphasize yes. is that often like with the working mom guilt, there's this feeling that, like I said, every minute you're in the house or you're not working and your kids are present, you should be with them. And like, imagine like Shabbos and Sunday feeling like you need to be with them all day. Like, that's not a thing. Like, that's, that is the kind of thing that that keeps people steeped in guilt oh my gosh, I'm home with my kids for three hours this evening and I didn't like do a whole fun Pinterest activity outing. I didn't take them up to the park. Like there's so many things that technically you can do and you don't, or maybe you don't have the energy to, and, and that's okay. Like we have to recognize that it's about the quality of the time that we spend with our kids. We don't need to spend every possible second because then I'm going to, we going to recharge, right? We can't spend every second either at work or with our kids. Yeah. Where are we then? Nowhere. And that's bad for both work and kids, right? Yeah. So just to build on that, I know you talk a lot about self-care and I love the way you frame it. So tell us, tell us about self-care because it's such like a buzzword, but what does it really mean? Yeah. And like, I'll go into my spiel about it since I love this Please. spiel. <laughs> and it's always good to remind myself too. So that's the best part about this job is I'm constantly reminding myself of all these positive messages. <laughs> yeah. We think of self-care as like this luxurious experience of going for a mani-pedi or getting a massage. And don't get me wrong. Those are great self-care things, but I call those like grand gestures self-care. And really what self-care is is nurturing ourselves and nurturing ourselves in an area of wellness, right? So either we're taking care of our physical health, taking care of our bodies, we're taking care of our emotional health, we're taking care of our social health, spiritual health, you know, we're taking care of our wellness, basically. And so I recently spoke about this, I made an episode on my podcast, actually, about the role of intentions in self care. Essentially, so many of the things I'm doing in my day are already self-care, right? Right now, for me talking to you, I am nurturing my social wellness because I'm making eye contact with you and I'm enjoying it, talking to you, right? I'm nurturing my professional wellness even and strengthening that sense of confidence that I know what I'm doing or whatever. I'm also nurturing my emotional wellness, talking about things that are like just good for my emotional health. And so throughout the day, we are doing things that are investments in ourselves, but labeling it as such is what makes all the impact. Right? I love that. We're eating, yeah. we're drinking, that's self-care. <laughs> we are taking care of our bodies. You walk around the block to clear your head. You're thinking, oh, I just need to clear my head. Wait, you're nurturing yourself emotionally, physically, that is self-care. And 
when we can shift our mindset and it also just gives us this value throughout the day that that we are taking care of ourselves right i heard this from you and and it really struck me as first of all so practical it takes nothing it takes a thought just to reframe and it changes everything and i was thinking i I'm such a moisturizer person. For me, that's like my spa minute every day. But there are days when I'm like slapping on the moisturizer as I walk out the door and I'm thinking about everything I need to do. And then there are days when I sit and it's just for a minute. It doesn't take time. It doesn't cost hardly anything. And I moisturize with intention. And I feel so pampered and so taken care of. And I'm luxuriating in the, in, in the moisturizing. And it's so small but it makes such a difference when I just give it that thought of like, it's spa minute now. It just, it makes such a difference to be taking care of myself or to be like doing something that's part of my routine completely mindlessly. I love that. That's, that's awesome. Like for me, I have the New York times crossword puzzle app on my phone. Um, and sometimes like when I work on it throughout the day, like that's, I don't even know, nurturing my fun wellness. It just, I just enjoy it. That's just like straight up nurturing my brain, maybe intellectual wellness. But I'm able to see, I'm not just distracting myself from my day, although it is when I'm taking a break from other stuff. Right. But I'm doing it because I love it and I feel good about doing it. And it challenges me as the puzzles get harder throughout the week. Like I, I feel good about that. Right. And so recognizing it as that is, the opposite of something where I could then think I just wasted my time doing that. Right. That's like even that forget about neutral. That's negative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the cool thing is when we start labeling our intentions, we're actually changing our narrative from like hardworking mom who never has time for herself to working mom who's nurturing herself, which is a very different story to tell ourselves, even just about how we're doing in our own life. Right. Yes. Yes. And I also hear a lot about the, don't you feel guilty when you take the time to indulge in self-care? And I think that, I mean, that has to be tackled and you'll talk to us about that, but especially taking this approach, right? The same woman who's saying that is probably drinking and eating and showering. And if she could just reframe that as self-care, she'll start to build up that value for self-care. And I would think that would help a lot with addressing the, the guilt factor. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, right? We have to, there's two parts. We have to address the guilt of when we carve out time that's not already part of our routine, but it's definitely a great first step, just working on the stuff that's already in your routine and labeling it for what it really is. In regard to carving out time, I, I remember I did like a poll, I think on Facebook of which one's a bigger barrier for you for self-care. Is it not having time or feeling guilty? And the majority said feeling guilty. So it wasn't about time. It's that when they have the time, they feel guilty doing it. And why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's the standards again, the made up standards that we hold ourselves to and all the hustle, hustle, right? Um, Memes, like we have so many toxic beliefs about what success is and what productive even means. I think that we should be holding ourselves to a really high standard, but we're just completely holding ourselves to the wrong high standard. Like what about the high standard of someone who is nurturing every part of them? Right. 
Absolutely. And I mean, there's so many like analogies and stuff about like, you have to fill your cup. You can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. But, but even past that, like, you know, let's say you have the time and you're home and you're not working and your kids are there. Right. And so there's that guilt. Am I going to, I don't know, let's say take a long hot shower because like, you know, I had a hard day. So more than the, more than the typical, right. Invest extra time or do my nails myself or, you know, something small, or am I going to spend extra time with my kids? And if you have multiple kids, you've had the experience that you could have two kids who need something at once and you have to triage and see whose needs come first. And why do we not put ourselves in the lineup, right? Like if our kids are playing and they're not needing something from us right this minute, our needs right in that moment are need to be triaged. And so at least we should value ourselves as much as we value our kids, right? So good. I also think to tie this back to what we were talking about before, the reframe, both about self-care and about our role as a mother, something I've also been thinking about and, and sharing lately is, again, it's all in the mindset, right? That's where it's at. That's the root of everything. I think that sometimes even hanging out with our kids could be self-care, but it's not possible for that to happen if it's like, I have to hang out with my kids again because they need me and it's all about them and their needs or about the role I have to fill as a mother because society says so, right? If you're doing what you're doing because of an external pressure, whether it's your kids pulling at your skirt or the pressure from society, I just don't think that it could ever be self-care. But what about like, I need to nurture the part of me that is a mother now. And all of a sudden it could feel so important and so nurturing and so self-care like to be taking care of the kids which is also such a powerful shift. Absolutely. The same way that, you know, speaking to you right now is nurturing my professional self, right? Professional yeah. wellness. It's that motherhood wellness. What comes to mind for me is that, you know, when I wake my kids up in the morning, my three older kids to just get the day started, get dressed, get out, eat, get out the door, right? Like, I, I, I don't even know when the shift happened that it became like enjoyable that like instead of it being like just this oh this we need what we need to do it became like oh i'm going to go see my kids and wish them a good morning and like kind of just having like more of a fun laughing vibe like getting everyone ready i started this like speedy dresser thing which is if i leave and they, they're dressed by the time i come back they get allowance points whatever and it's just like even something that could feel so tedious and like such a like uh, part of motherhood could be nurturing. Because think about it, every time I have that kind of morning, it paves the way for the next morning to be like that right. too, right? And creates and strengthens my view of myself as a good mother, right? Yeah, this is all so, so good. Do you have anything to say to that? working mom listening who just can't get past that feeling of guilt around self-care? I think that it's really important for each individual to figure out what pressures, because it's really, 
the way I think about guilt, and this is how I frame it in my course, is guilt is about not living up to pressures. So there's internal pressures, there are external pressures. And so sometimes some women have people in their lives that are like actually externally pressuring them, right? And it's not just a voice in their head. Like there are people who are pressuring them maybe that they're not doing a good enough job as a mother or or bosses who are, or clients who are making them feel like they're not working hard enough. So sometimes there are external pressures, but I think that really it all begins with addressing the internal pressures and what, and, and that could be so different based on some women grew up with a stay-at-home mom and that is their internal pressure, right? And so that could be, they remember their mom always being around or whatever, and that could be the source of their guilt. I, I don't even know if at that, this point, more than what I've already said, if there's like a one answer right. thing as much as like doing some self-reflection and thinking, if I'm in this moment where I have time to do self-care and I'm not going to, like there's a thought behind the guilt. What's my thought, right? And that can help you get to the root of what is it? What's holding you back? Yeah. Also, so so powerful and so important because as cliched as it is you really you can't pour from an empty cup and i think that even even that saying that you can't pour from an empty cup in a way is adding maybe to that pressure i'm just thinking this as i'm saying it because now it's all about self-care so that you could give more so that you could do more so you could be there more for other people like what about caring for yourself just because you're important just because you deserve a full cup that's I love that. I didn't even think about that. And that's such an that's such a great perspective because ultimately when we take care of ourselves, yes, we are able to be more present in the relationships in our lives, but that's an outgrowth. That doesn't have to be the goal. That's a beautiful side effect, right? right. Of taking care of ourselves is that then we can be more present. Right. But we certainly like you're right. You could have this self-care perspective that's really still in that zone of I'm doing this so I can give more to my kids and starting to look at ourselves and just valuing ourselves, right? But like, of course, there can be so many elements underlying that that are unique to each person. What might get in that the way of that? Yeah, for sure. You talk a lot about stress management and I think life is pretty stressful running a business, taking care of a family, a home. Shabbos, Yantif, doctor's appointments, day-to-day life, clients. Can you speak to that? Like, what does stress management even mean? Love that question. And one of the reasons that I actually started The Thriving Working Mom is because I myself am a single mom of four kids and one of whom has significant special needs and medical issues. And so between working and like my kids, like different days, this kid's sick, this kid's home, this kid needs me. Like I have a lot on my plate, even my one kid, if I just had that one kid with medical stuff, like that could be a full-time job. And so because those are my circumstances, I felt like, yeah, I feel like I can teach people about stress management because I'm practicing what I'm preaching and I I have a pretty full plate. (laughs) And so it all comes back to mindset, okay? So there are in the moment stress management techniques where you feel worked up, but I'm gonna put that aside for a minute and really look at the underlying narrative of our lives or our circumstances as stressful, okay? When you have a lot on your plate, inherently your life is gonna be busy. 
you're not going to have a lot of downtime. There are going to be different things coming up. You know, it's going to be like that whack-a-mole game. There's just constantly little heads popping up, you know, and, and things that you need to do. So stressful sometimes implies that like things are more hectic than they should be. And when we can recognize that there is certain busyness inherent to our circumstances, instead of fighting it and feeling like, why is it so stressful? We can embrace it and be like, yeah, there are just going to be things coming up constantly. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. For me, I have, what, 25 students who I work with. I have my clients. I have my kids. I have so many people who could be reaching out to me and needing stuff and so many different things, so many providers for my daughter. And I just, instead of fighting it, I just embrace it. Wow. That is, that is such a shift. Like it could be a lot of resistance, right? Why am I so busy? How do I get rid of all the things on my plate so I could not be busy? Like that is really stressful because that's, that's not going to happen. And I always say setting a goal of checking off your to-do list is setting yourself up for failure. And the goal has to be just to feel good and present and, and fulfilled and to feel this inner balance even with that list, that's never, ever going to be checked off. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that I know for me, something small and, and like I'm saying, the mindset is very tied into like our narrative. And I'm a very big believer that we have so much control over our story, right? Even my chapter right now is my story Oh, I just got the shorter end of the stick on this whole life thing. What's what's going on? Why am I dealing with these challenges? Why do other people not have to deal with this? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah, I could live that way. Like, but I don't want to. Right. <laughs> so why do I need to? Like, I have the power to say, look, God has given me some significant challenges. God has also given me such amazing strengths and supports in my life. And just like knowledge and insights and things of, of how to handle it. Wow. I'm so grateful that I have what it takes to navigate these challenges, not overcome them. My, my challenges are not the type of thing you overcome. They're day to day, right? Every day. Right. And so having that story, like that my life is good, it makes a difference. And so something really interesting for years, whenever people asked me how I was doing, I said, stressed. It was just what I said because I felt like I couldn't say good because then they wouldn't realize how busy and stressed out I am. <laughs> and, you know, in the last few years, I shifted in a way that's real, not like faking it to the world, that when people ask me how I'm doing, I say good, grateful. I'm grateful for the beautiful things I have. Like, because why do I need to perpetuate this story of 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 stress? Like, which like this unfair stress that shouldn't be here. Shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be stressed. Yeah. If I have three kids who are trying to get their, do their homework and some of them want to, and some of them don't, it's a lot going on, but that's like just normal. Like sometimes we have to just embrace things like instead of resisting them. Right. Yeah. Again, it comes down, I think a lot to our toxic beliefs. And, and like you're saying, the stories we, we tell ourselves and, 
being able to let go of so much of that just like opens the door for so much more spaciousness and so much more space to be and to enjoy and to get present. Yeah, absolutely. I made a short video about this the other day, but I feel like I want to share it because it's so relevant to what we're talking about. So my daughter has nurses and like six weeks ago, we lost the nurse who came in five days a week. And so without the nurse, she can't go to school. So it means that all of a sudden, for the weekdays, all of a sudden, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm taking care of this kid all day. (laughs) She's lovely. I love her dearly. She requires a lot of attention. You can't just like put her in the other room and just like, whatever, she'll play. (laughs) And here I am. I have a practice. I work for a school. I'm building this business. And all of a sudden, like, it was a dramatic drop in childcare at the t- at a time where there's this shortage of nurses. Right. And I was thinking really, this could be just like another piece of my stressful, a stressful life story. Oh, and I have this, and I have that, and now I don't have childcare. And I was just like, wait a minute, I can choose what this is. I can choose how to interpret this. And I was just looking back, looking at different things I've experienced and like, you know what? I've actually dealt with worse things than this in my life, more challenging things. And I can look at this and say, this is challenging, but I know I can handle it. And I know I have the strengths to handle it. Does that make it easy? Of course not, because I still have to get tons of stuff done. But once again, expectations, I know it's not going to be easy. I'm not fighting that. The fact that it's challenging, it is. Of course it's challenging. So I don't know if the distinctions are clear, but yes, that I know for me helps make a huge difference. Yes, it's so powerful. I think that what it does is you're either opening yourself up or you're shutting down. If it's hard and it's stressful, then that's it. It's hard and stressful. But if it's something that is challenging, but I can deal with this and it's not easy, but I can make it work and it's hard, but I also have so many things to be grateful for. Like there are so many places you could take it. I think even just really practically, you could get a lot more creative with practical problem solving. If you're like, I can do this as opposed to I'm stuck because I'm stressed and it's hard and I have it harder than everyone around me. Like, so then what? So then what? You're right. You're stressed and you're stuck and it's hard. Just really practically, like it opens your mind to like, we can do this. We will do this. How will we do this? Yeah, absolutely. And I also just want to make it clear that having this mindset doesn't mean that we don't let ourselves recognize challenge or recognize when something's hard. It's just a different way of looking at it. So let's say like dealing with a lot, feeling, you know, when I get to feeling overwhelmed, like I can stop and be like, wow, this is overwhelming and just facing it. And just like, I'm very into like this feel as you go kind of way of living where it's like, if it's hard or I'm stressed, I mean, I definitely get stressed sometimes. I'm not like superhuman, you know, but like if I am like I recognize it for what it is and just let myself feel it and then like move past it, right? But instead of just pushing it away cuz that doesn't help, right? Like to fake it, fake ourselves out and be like, "Oh, this is easy as pie." Like that doesn't either help. <laughs> right. So it's about that balance of the general view of how we see it, but then like in the moment, we can recognize when something's challenging or there could be a time where all of our kids are yelling for us at once where we need to remove ourselves from the situation because it is just overwhelming and we need to take time to recenter. I wouldn't want to equate this with like perfection or always having it under control, 
but it's more of like an over, like a general view of our lives, right? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So now take us into the nitty gritty. What are some like in the moment stress management techniques, like when all the kids are yelling and the client just emailed and supper is burning in the oven? (laughs) Oh man, that's, that's, I need to do stress relief just thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually have, um, I've conceptualized it as like different levels of stress, right? That we have. And depending on what the level of stress is, like there's a different kind of intervention, right? Like taking a a cleansing breath can help if we're at a low level of stress and where we're just, you know, outside our front door and we know there's going to be chaos inside and just like take a breath and go in versus when it's like a much more high pressured situation, you're going to need something more complex to handle it. And so in a situation like that, where everyone's yelling and like things are you know, f- feeling very overwhelming for me, I would probably, I, in that situation, I would need to just turn off the oven just so there's no fire starts <laughs> with the burning dinner. <laughs> and then assuming that everyone, <laughs> assuming that everyone's safe, I would remove myself from the situation and gather myself there because it's very hard for me personally to like gather myself if like there's directly a lot of chaos right around me and I'm already overwhelmed. So I would just like breathe, do some mindfulness. And also like I have mantras, things that I tell myself that that also help me, like I'm doing the best I can, stuff like that. (laughs) I love that. That's so good. And I think it's also so important. You're sort of because it's not the same. And being able to take a cleansing breath when you're sitting at your desk and see an email from an unhappy client, like recognizing that that's not going to work when it's overwhelmingly stressful and you don't have the space even for the breath to be cleansing. Exactly. And also then you end up thinking like that the technique doesn't work, right? (laughs) but really it works for some things and not for other things. And everyone's different for some people like going, stepping out and not doing mindfulness, but maybe just playing a song, like listening to music can be helpful. Maybe, I don't know for you, maybe putting moisturizing your hands would be, would, would help you feel good. Like everyone's different. For me, I sometimes I like to play piano. That helps me. Like we we know ourselves, and it's about recognizing when will this help because we don't want to start thinking that a technique that has helped doesn't work anymore. Right. It just works for some situations, right? And so that requires getting to know ourselves and becoming in tune with, wait, where am I right now? Like, what do I need right now? Right? How can I support myself in this stressful moment? That makes so much sense. And I think it ties back into self-care. If self-care is attending to myself and my wellness, then it's not going to work to like, you know, to to get the mani or to have iced coffee with a friend if that's not, you know, you can't, you can't look at objective general lists of self-care items to know what's really going to fill your cup. You really have to get to know yourself. And I think on the flip side, you can you can be doing something that could be self-care for one person, like scrolling Instagram at the end of the day, and you could pull the self-care card. But if it doesn't genuinely care for any one of your wellnesses, and I love how you put that, then it's really not self-care. Like just because someone else relaxes that way and processes the day and releases tension that way, if you don't, then it's really not self-care because it's all about like what what works for you. And so 
bringing that back to the stress management, like if you're using techniques that don't work for you, then it doesn't really help. It's not going to manage your stress. Absolutely. And I relate to what you're saying because I don't like massages. <laughs> and so for so many people, what's like their grand gesture of the year, self-care, would make me squirm and freak right. out. And so like we can't. And for me also, like looking at social media stresses me out, like to a point that like I don't have any social media on my phone because I don't want to ever mindlessly get there. But I know for me, that's that's just a way of removing a stress. Right. It's to just you know, distance myself from something that brings unnecessary stress. Yeah. Which is also important. You don't always have to rely on stress management and your self-control. Get rid of as many stressors as you can so you just don't get to that place. Like, be proactive about it. Exactly. And also, like, we know ourselves, right? We each are, are the experts in ourselves. And I know for myself that when I have social media on my phone, I, I cannot control myself from checking it all the time. I know myself. It's like a compulsive, like, I don't know. I really know that I, that's, that's right. a challenge for me. And I know that when I only have my social media on the computer, like something about it is less exciting. So it doesn't like, I don't like feel that kind of like checking feeling on the computer. And so that's more, that's just self-knowledge that something that I know I could just do to just like remove something stressful from my life. <laughs> yeah, totally. Again, the knowing ourselves piece, like, you know, someone's listening to this and they're like, I, I have to self-care. First of all, the reframing things you're already doing. And then there's really like, again, letting go of all that guilt and all those external pressures because self-care doesn't have to look like what it looks like for someone else. And so self-care could be sitting on the grass. And for someone else, that could be a real waste of time. But if that is how you care for yourself, then that's genuinely self-care. And so self-care, I think, should never feel like if it's feeling like a pressure, like something you have to check off your list because you have to self-care, then it's not self-care. Then something's, then something's wrong. You're doing it for the wrong reasons or you're doing the wrong things. <laughs> but if you know yourself and you are caring for yourself in the way you need to be cared for, then it feels good. So true. Like I totally relate to that nature one. Like for me being around nature, it is so calming for me. Yeah. Like when I focus on it, because I could walk outside and go to my car and not even notice that there was grass or trees on my way. But when I really go outside and like look at it, it's so centering. And and that, like that's the coolest part about self-care and nurturing ourselves is it could be so easy. Yeah. And cheap. <laughs> Which is why I love, love, love your concept of reframing the things we're already doing. It doesn't take anything except a thought to completely transform the way you think about yourself and the way you think about self-care and the way that you ultimately feel. Right. And essentially, this is mindfulness, right? Which is right. that you're taking what you're doing and you're being intentional about it. And so it's using – it's basically using mindfulness – even further like to like further our intentions and our our story of ourselves as nurturing ourselves and our own wellness right yeah so much good stuff here as we wrap up do you have any favorite resources books podcasts people to follow i really think that the more we surround ourselves with people that are telling the story we need to hear anyone that's hustle culture like just don't don't follow their stuff so who do you love that we can follow or learn from as well? So it's actually, it's interesting because I create a lot of content on social media 
but I'm not a very big content consumer. So I really, it's more for me, resources are much more books. And like one of my favorite books that I love to recommend is called Peace is Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh, who is Vietnamese, who spread kind of mindfulness culture to the Western world. And it's like a really, really short book. And it just has like these brief essays, like essays is too long for what they even are, like these thoughts that through reading it, like you really learn in the most beautiful way about what it means to bring mindfulness in your day-to-day life. And even if you're busy or, you know, like it's not, it's, it's very practical. And so that's, that's really my number one recommendation because I think that, think about that, the title, peace is every step, like Oh, I just feel relaxed thinking yeah, about it. Totally. totally. <laughs> so mindfulness. Yeah. That's, that's like my number one favorite, but I'm a very big um, reader. So that's, that's where I got most of my inspiration from. Okay. I will books. check that out. And so for listeners that loved this conversation, as I did so many, so many likeable moments, where can they find you, follow you, learn more from you? I know you're putting out a lot of incredible content now. Oh, thank you. So um, my main uh, place that I'm active is on LinkedIn. So just looking up, you know, my name, but I do have Instagram and I have an, a special Instagram page for the thriving working mom. That's called just that. And I have a podcast that my seventh episode just came out today, but I mean, they're 10 minute episodes. So like super listenable. <laughs> that's that's another place but i'm really excited for when i'll be rolling out the tackling working mom guilt course i'm very hopeful that it's going to be bring people from point a to point b right from that stressed pressure guilt through that transformation to feeling more peaceful and joyful incredible and i'm on your email list do you have somewhere that people could join that as well so they could get updates about this course Oh, absolutely. Thanks for reminding me. So the thrivingworkingmom.com is my website and you can sign up there. Fabulous. I actually have like a self-care, a self-care guide, which really goes through these different areas of wellness that comes with signing up for the email list. And from my social media, you can get like linked to that, to getting on the email list and getting the self-care guide. Fabulous. And I'll link everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah, and just for really, really sharing some incredible insights and perspectives. And if you could just give us one challenge for listeners that need that push to turn insight into action, what are you challenging listeners to right now that's impactful and doable that they can get done? Love that. (laughs) I would say that after this episode ends, so right now, I would take one minute and do something, something that you maybe would already be doing and use what we just spoke about, this concept of setting an intention. And even if that means that you're gonna go have a glass of water right now, or if you're gonna just get up because you've been sitting for too long and you're gonna look, you just walk, walk around for a minute, or if you're listening and driving, maybe you're just gonna notice the, the trees that are around you on the road, whatever it is, I mean, while driving safely, but I would challenge you to right now, as soon as this episode is over, because there's, that's the whole concept of mindfulness too, right? Is that all there really is, is this moment. Yes. And so 
what better time to start than this moment for one minute? Fabulous. I think 60 seconds should be a challenge that every listener can accept. So I, I truly hope they will. Thank Me you too. so much, Sarah. <laughs> I really enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me today. As always, head to lifeworkspodcast.com because that's where the party's at. Drop a comment, hashtag iLifeWorked on this episode to let our community know that you took the challenge and encourage others to do the same. If you want to hear more about what I do for Firmompreneurs and how we can work together, reach out, Hana at lifeworkspodcast.com. Wishing you a day of work and life that work to bring you tremendous fulfillment and joy. Till next time, I'll see you here and again. Thanks for being a part of our incredible community.